Welcome to Britcham Cambodia and the UK Department for International Trade's podcast series, Doing Business in Cambodia. In today's episode, we'll discuss the developments in clean and renewable energy sector in Cambodia. My name is Alex Jones, and I'm your host for today's podcast. I work for the British Embassy as their Climate Change Policy Officer. One of our key areas of focus in the build-up to COP26 is encouraging a clean energy transition, in particular, a shift of investment away from fossil fuels. In the last 20 years, Cambodia's energy sector has seen rapid growth, both in consumption and electrification of the country. At the end of 2019, 92.7% of households had a connection to the grid, compared to only 22.9% in 2010. Despite the progress in electrification of the country, there still remain many challenges to ensuring a consistent energy supply, keep electricity rates affordable, and increasing the amount of renewable energy in the electricity mix. And on that backdrop, I'd like to welcome today's guest, a man who works tirelessly on addressing the trickier challenges facing Cambodia's energy sector. Good morning, Afi from Okra Solar. Good morning, Alex. <laughs> Before we dive into the topic, can you share with me a bit of background about yourself and how the concept of Okra was born and established in Cambodia? Ah, uh, yeah. Thanks, Alex. Um, so I am just a humble man. <laughs> Uh, I, I was born in um, Bangladesh and I grew up in Australia and I guess a bit about myself that's um, relevant to the energy sector is um, when going back to Bangladesh I would often uh, visit my cousins in rural areas and uh, they didn't have access to power there so they had no lights, no refrigeration, uh, no showers, um, no computers and to be frank for me it was like really really boring um, being out there <laughs> but I had fun with my cousins and then uh, going back to Australia um, like and I, I, I never really focused that much at school I was like the naughty boy always getting in trouble um, but then when I'd go home at night I'd like have to study all the things that I didn't study at school and I'd do that through like Google um, I'd build websites for my brother and build little robots and stuff just heaps of cool things that you can learn from the internet and it really struck upon me when I contrasted like my life to my cousin's lives in uh, Bangladesh that, you know, we're pretty much the exact same people. Um, they were naughty just like I was naughty. Um, the only difference was that I had the internet and I could pretty much learn and have like a, you know, a range of opportunities available to me that was not available to them. So at that point in time, I was like, you know, access to electricity and internet is super, super important and it's something that I, that I want to um, work on. Um, and then, you know, I studied engineering economics and came to Cambodia because I saw that uh, at that point in time, which is about five years ago, the statistics said one out of three people didn't have access to power. Um, and Cambodia, pretty close to Australia, I could come in, um, I could check out what's going on, talk to the stakeholders over here and figure out, you know, how can I make um, a dent, like play my part um, in actually you know, bringing universal electricity access out to not just Cambodia, but, but the world. And that's, that's why I came here about five years ago. And is that where the concept of Okra was born? Uh, yeah, for sure. So it's actually, it's kind of a funny story, but like I emailed like 100 companies and cause when I was like, you know, I want to solve energy poverty, like how do you actually do that? Like you need to know the companies that are operating in the space. Um, you need to 
know where these villages are? How do you ever know where the villages are that don't have access to power? So I emailed like a hundred companies and I was like, hey, can I please come? And a company's working off grid energy, right? And I was like, can I please come and see what you're doing in terms of, you know, customer identification, creating solutions, uh, financing them, setting it up, et cetera. And um, this one company called NRG Solutions that still operates here, they're like, yeah, you can come around and like, you know, volunteer for us and help us out and you can learn as much as you want. So um, that's how it started. And when I went out to uh, the field and visited some of these households, I saw something like pretty interesting. And that was like, there were like some households who had a massive solar home system on their, on their roof, like let's say a, a 300 watt system. Um, and this is five years ago, but they were just running like two light bulbs, right? So I was like, whoa, so much power is getting wasted from this house. Um, and then I'd see some other households and they were uh, like complaining of blackouts all the time. They're like, we don't like solar because um, like our power keeps getting cut off. And um, we can't like run things all the time. For example, our lights turn off before nine o'clock. And that's when like the light bulb moment, so to speak, happened. And it was like, oh, what if we could like connect all these houses together and like utilize that excess energy and, 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 and utilize it for households that have a shortage of energy. So that, that was the, the seed of the idea. Afi, can you tell us about Okra's solar technology solutions? Yeah, sure. So... Um, imagine there's a community and there's like 200 households, right? Uh, these 200 households aren't all going to be, you know, right next to each other. There might be like 50 households here, 20 households there. There might actually be like one household far apart from everyone else, right? So in the simplest form, uh, Okra's solution uh, enables a household to be connected as a solar home system, right? Solar panel, battery, um, our technology makes sure that power is delivered safely and the batteries are charged appropriately. Um, but then when the innovation comes in is that um, when households are close to each other, um, you have one of the Okra boxes at every single house um, and you can actually connect them together with a plug and play cable. So now imagine that the solar panel and battery at every single house, um, but Okra is actually using software uh, to share and redistribute the power between the households. Um, and that makes the power more reliable um, and it also gives more availability of power for every household. And importantly, because you're utilizing the power more efficiently by sharing it, the cost of power really, really drops for every single household. So that's on like the hardware side, that's what it does. Um, but then the next aspect is um, our software platform. So think about it, like sometimes you need to go off-road, you need to take a boat, you need to go really, really far to actually get to these communities, right? Uh, so the cost of operation is very, very high. Um, but with our technology, each device is connected to the internet uh, through the mobile network and we're getting 24-7 monitoring on the state of health of the panel, the battery, how much power the household is using, even if they're stealing power from the network, right? All this comes to our software platform so that we can manage everything remotely and autonomously so you don't have to go out to the community to do the uh, servicing. Um, and it's, it's even so cool to the point where um, the houses, they pay for power um, based on how much they've consumed using mobile money. So, for example, going to a wing and, and paying for it. Um, and if they haven't paid they can also be cut off um, temporarily through the software platform until they have made their payment. And so now for like, 
you know, the utility companies who own these networks, um, they can operate them much more cost effectively, uh, which at the end of the day means the communities get more affordable cost of power. So Afi, how much does that then cost per kilowatt hour? Uh, the cost depends on a number of factors. So it's like how many households uh, there are, how many villages are close by to each other because you have to service them, um, you know, and, and, and that costs money. But roughly you can say between uh, 30 cents uh, and 55 cents per kilowatt hour is the cost um, for these remote communities using these microgrids. But then when you compare that to a few things, you can look at what they're using right now, which is using diesel to charge old car batteries and the cost per kilowatt hour, if you calculate it, is anywhere between $1.50 and $4 per kilowatt hour. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really expensive. Um, or you can look at grid extension. Um, and for these really remote areas, um, grid extension can cost anywhere between 50 cents and 80 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, and that's because the further these areas are, um, the more sparsely populated they become, but you still have to extend the transmission and distribution to get all the way out there. So I think, yeah, it really, really makes sense, at least for a subset of the roughly 900 villages that aren't connected yet, um, to be using these off-grid uh, solutions such as Okra. Thanks. Okay, so Afi, can you tell me what have been the main struggles that you have come across with implementing this technology in rural communities? Yeah, um, I think every day is a struggle, <laughs> but no, a struggle as in, you know, you got to work really hard to achieve the things that you want, right? Um, but yeah, some of the uh, struggles have been like energy and infrastructure is a highly regulated space and that's anywhere in the world, right? Um, because it's very important to the people of the country that it's delivered in, in the right way. Um, so in, in this sense, we're coming in with a completely brand new technology, um, which I guess we'll talk about in a bit, but this technology is completely brand new. Um, and it's a heavily regulated space, which means there's no, um, framework for this to be actually implemented. Um, so after we had, you know, prototyped it and developed it like, you know, startup style, something that actually works and can demonstrate the value of it, we need to actually roll it out in the communities. And because there was no framework, um, we actually partnered um, with uh, NGOs and organizations that were willing to uh, roll it out um, basically outside of the traditional regulatory framework, right? So they went out there and they set up these um, smart grids using our technology and basically started uh, selling energy to these communities. Um, but technically, um, according to the Cambodian regulation, you can only sell electricity if it's part of the main grid, right? Um, and this is an off-grid solution. So you didn't need to extend like tens of kilometers to go out to these remote areas. You would just set up, set up these Okra smart grids. Um, and so that, that was a big challenge because we're doing something that is you know, outside of the current regulation. Um, but our objective was to get this out there, to roll it out and then demonstrate to the regulators, hey guys, um, we know it's going to change you. It's going to take you like a year or two to change the regulation. But in the meantime, we've already rolled out a pilot project. So you can now actually go out and see it um, and then make your decision going forward. Um, and to their credit, um, the regulators have been really awesome. So both EAC and MME, they came out uh, to the sites 
um, and check them out. And they're like, guys, this is outside the current regulatory framework, um, but you're bringing energy to this community that was not yet connected. Uh, so we'll let you continue to operate it. Um, but going forward, we're going to need to create a system that works within the regulatory framework. And that's actually where we're at right now, um, negotiating this and figuring out how we can make this work in a, in a really scalable way. So do you think then there's a lot of opportunities for economic development then in the energy sector in Cambodia? Um, yeah. So uh, economic development from energy in Cambodia. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, uh you know, Cambodia has been growing at like 7% um, GDP per year over like the last decade, which is pretty awesome. Um, and a lot of that has happened because uh, I think the Cambodian government has done a great job of bringing power to so many people so rapidly. Um, and obviously power, you know, fuels um, economic development. But then there's these communities that are so far away that they're not yet connected um, to the grid. But we can look at it, I think, from the short term and, and the long term, right? So in the short term, um, as soon as you get power, you get 24-7 lighting. You can start working at nighttime. Uh, you can use things such as water pumps, which means you don't have to fetch water and you can get a much higher um, agricultural yield. Uh, you can use electric cooking, which means women don't have to spend so much time cutting wood. Um, they can start restaurants things like that. That's really, really cool. Um, you can use refrigeration, which keeps your vegetables cool, your fish um, lasting for longer. There's so many things. And this is immediate, like massive ec economic development. Um, but I think if you look at the long term, it actually gets like really, really exciting. Um, so there's a lot of data to suggest that like, you know, roughly 70% of the jobs that children who are entering primary school today, roughly 70% of the jobs that they'll be doing when they graduate, they don't even exist yet. So we don't know what these jobs are, right? So I, I don't know, I'll try think of some. Do, do you have any ideas of what these jobs could be? <laughs> no, to be honest, I don't think I thought my job would exist when I have started school. Yeah, see, so it's, it's a similar thing, right? And um, I, I was trying to think about it before, but maybe like, you know, um, a virtual reality tour guide, right? Like you're using VR to show people um, around like your, your village and your community and things that you do. That could be one. Another one could be like, um, you know, creating training data for AI algorithms. So for example, you know, someone is video recording you and you're showing them like how to pick up, you know, a cup or a, or a mug or whatever. So that the AI, and, and you're doing it like heaps and heaps of times so that the AI can understand what it's like to do that and then replicate it itself. Um, but yeah, because of automation and artificial intelligence, a lot of the jobs that we do right now are going to be uh, no longer exist, but that means there's going to be a whole new subset of jobs that are available. But in order to be trained and have the skills for these jobs, I think, you know, you need to be connected to like the global economy. You need to be connected to the internet infrastructure and, and, and dig digital education is going to be a massive part of that. Um, so I think, um, yeah, basically, um, electrification is imperative and the faster we achieve hundred percent electrification, the faster the next generation of Cambodians can access, um, or be prepared to access all of these opportunities in the future. So what do you think are the steps then that need to be taken to achieve hundred percent electrification in Cambodia? 
And what are the other clean tech solutions do you think that Cambodia needs? Yeah, cool. So I think in terms of um, clean tech, like I've got a little bit of a, a bias um, towards solar, but Cambodia has a really good solar resource, right? And there's basically there's two parts of this. There's like, you know, providing reliable supply to the main grid and then there's reaching the last mile. Um, and the main grid, um, I think there's a lot of options available, but I'll, I'll, I'll focus on the second part, which is reaching the last mile. Um, and for reaching the last mile, like distributed technologies, such as like, you know, solar, um, it, it's, it, it's kind of common sense for a lot of places, right? Like rather than extending the grid, like kilometers and kilometers to reach 50 households that are on an island, Right, you can just set up solar panels and batteries. Uh, it's just much quicker, and it's actually much much cheaper as well. Um, and I think the Cambodian government's actually doing a really good job. So uh, EDC and they have a program called the REF, um, and they're using that to uh, fund and roll out um, small solar home systems in areas where it's very very challenging for the grid to get to. Um, but uh, what like I want to see is that rather than just stopping at solar home systems, um, which provides like basic um, lighting, mobile phone charging um, to, and, and a television, um, why don't they go one step further? It's not that much of a stretch to actually um, connect these systems together um, into a smart grid as you can do with Ocra's technology. And by connecting them together, you're utilizing, you're harnessing the power of all of those systems um, together, improving the efficiency, improving the reliability and increasing the use for the households. Um, so then these households can use, you know, water pumping, refrigeration, cooking, all those things I mentioned before. Um, so I think in order for us to get to 100%, I think uh, the, the government's done a great job of setting up the structure um, of doing that. Um, and now it's basically, and they've got like distribution, they're getting this equipment out to the most hardest to reach areas which is really really awesome and so now it just comes down to them deciding what will that solution be will it be a solar home system or will it be these um you know smart grid solutions that can provide 24 7 reliable power would you so are there any other clean tech solutions i know you said you're biased towards solar for good reasons yeah. but would there be any other clean tech solutions that you think would be viable options in cambodia um I think there's there's a few things going around that are that are pretty cool. Um, so we've seen like uh, biodigesters. Um, so cooking is like a really big challenge as well, and like um, I think that's been one of the pitfalls of um, small scale solar um, because cooking requires so much heat, right? Um, and that's actually the main thing that households are doing before they're connected. So biodigesters are really cool. You use um, like the uh, gas that comes um, from organic waste um, and like poo, really. Um, and you, you, you convert that into a gas that can be used for uh, cooking. And I think that's really awesome thing for people to get connected to straight away. Um, as you know, like, you know, hydro is a big resource in Cambodia, uh, particularly for uh, storage. Um, but I can't comment. I don't have enough information on like the ecological aspects of that. So I can't comment on whether or not I would recommend that. Um, then there is uh, wind as well. 
Um, but wind, I think, is not necessarily a solution for these remote small communities um, because, like, the infrastructure cost of setting it up is actually quite high. So it's something that you could potentially add to the main grid. Um, but for, like, these last-mile remote communities, I really see, like, solar is just so easy. You just plop a panel there, a battery there, and then power is running straight away. And then now you can even connect them all together into microgrid. So, yeah. I think that's that's the way to go forward today. So how could Cambodia then sort of leapfrog developed countries in energy and other technologies? Well, I, I think Cambodia is leapfrogging, right, other countries. So if we look at what they've done, like if we look at our day-to-day lives, it's just crazy. So I'm on a call with some of our team in Australia Um, And I'm calling them from a village that we've just energized. And I'm like showing them the community like on video call. And then it cuts out. And it cuts out not because of me, but it cuts out because they have lower bandwidth internet connectivity in Sydney, right? In greater Sydney between like two areas. And (laughs) I've I've got full 4G in a village that's just gotten connected to power. So like that's leapfrogging and that's enabling these people in these communities to leverage that bandwidth to do heaps of cool things they can like do like become digital entrepreneurs or like work on upwork and do digital jobs it's unlocks opportunities but if we quickly rail through a few more like um shared transport right like grab for example um not pumping up grab but uh they've they've done some awesome stuff and it's really stopping so many more people putting cars on the roads right so that's leapfrogging um you can order anything in Cambodia and it'll arrive at your place within like three hours. Like I need to get like a, a band for my watch and it's, I just pushed a button and then like got off the phone, started doing some work. Someone calls me, they're like, it's, it's here. Right. And so, um, yeah, there's a, a lot of leapfrogging mobile money, right. You don't have these things, um, as prevalent in countries like Australia, whereas in Cambodia, literally you you just go to a shop and you scan a QR code and you've paid, even if you've forgotten your wallet. So <clears throat> a lot of these things um, are happening. And did you ask about leapfrogging in energy? Yes, you did. I, I was asking about, yeah, leapfrogging in energy, but also in other technologies. Uh, so if we if we look at energy, this is super interesting. I, I'm not saying bad things about Australia. Australia is a great country, but... <laughs> Cambodia is leapfrogging Australia in many ways. So if we look at um, the electricity grid in Australia, they've done a big analysis and the analysis's recommendations is that for many of the rural communities, um, they should actually disconnect them from the main grid. So they've built the grid out to provide power to like the, the entire country. And in some places there's like tens of kilometers of transmission and distribution line going out to serve like a few hundred households. And that transmission and distribution line is going through rough terrain and there's basically like trees and stuff that often fall on it. And just the cost of maintaining this transmission and distribution line um, is higher than the cost of what it would be to connect that entire community to solar and batteries. So they're recommending that we start turning these into disconnected microgrids, right? And we've already done that. Right, the projects that we've recently done with the Ministry of Mines and Energy um, uh, supported us along with the UNDP in rolling out uh, the households um, on an island in, in Stung Chiro into a microgrid. These things are happening right now in Cambodia. So I think the leapfrogging is, is again taking place and 
uh, it's, it's pretty cool to see. So you mentioned several times now that you've been working with Ministry of Mines and Energy and the, with EAC. Um, but obviously EDC is a really significant component for the electricity grid in Cambodia. So if you had so one thing you'd want to ask them, what would you ask them or say to them? Uh, to ask the EDC? Um, yeah, so I think I'd ask the EDC because they're a key stakeholder in this, right? Um, and they want to make sure that um, they deliver the best quality of power to the people of Cambodia. Um, and so because this is a different and new technology, I'd ask the EDC, I'd say, hey, um, His Excellency Kia Ratnak, uh, why don't you come around uh, to the community that we've set up on the island of Stung Chiro? Uh, the grid is pretty close by, but it's very, very difficult to get there because it's, you know, through all this water and um, these rivers, it's on an island. Um, why don't you come out and um, check what it's like um, for this community to get power um, from this smart grid solution that we've set up. Um, and then you can make a call on whether or not you want to scale this out and roll it out to all the really other hard-to-reach areas in Cambodia. I think that'd be, that'd be a fun thing for us to do. I hope, I hope he hears this and we can go out together. I really hope that happens. Yeah. And so just before we finish off the conversation, Afi, can I ask you one more question? What does <laughs> Okra's slogan actually stand for power to the people okay cool um so power to the people it, it, it can mean multiple things and that's so it's really cool but you know basically it means you know power bring energy to the people um but more than that it's that energy means uh opportunity right energy empowers you to do the things and be the pe person uh that you want to be like opportunities are limitless with power and so that's what we mean by power to the people, not just electricity, but um, bring your own destiny into, into your own hands with power. That's amazing. I love that. Well, Afi, thank you. This has been really fascinating conversation to have with you. And I know Okra is going to continue doing brilliant work in Cambodia. And also that sadly we'll be losing you from Cambodia as you expand Okra into Nigeria. So I'd like to take the opportunity to say good luck. I hope you have safe travels there and definitely look forward to seeing more of your work. Yeah, thanks so much, Alex. It was an awesome time uh, hanging out. It was, it, was, it was really fun. And uh, hopefully I am safe and sound and come back and we can uh, celebrate 100% uh, electrification in Cambodia uh, within, within a year or two. And yeah, I'd just like to mention, uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing and uh, the cool thing about like the energy sector and what we're doing right now in Cambodia is like there's so many people coming together, right? There's like NGOs, there's like um, the donors, um, like you guys, and also the regulators. Like everyone is working very closely together to try hit this 100% uh, target. So I'm I'm glad to play my small small part in it. And thanks for having us having me here. Please join us for the next Doing Business in Cambodia podcast, which will be available soon. For more information on Doing Business in Cambodia, please contact the British Chamber of Commerce Cambodia or the British Embassy Phnom Penh.